Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, come on. Good morning, everyone. It is wonderful to see you. Uh, I just want to make you all especially welcome. And I uh, was thinking about this morning's service and, and praying that it would be an, an active service for you all, not a passive one where it just passes you by, uh, but that today you would be involved and engaged in our service as we pray together, sing together, and learn together. So you're vo- most welcome, and we're going to fire ahead and uh, sing together right from the outset. My worth is not in what I own. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. Let's uh, stand together and sing this hymn of praise. Thanks to the band. will have been touched um, by the events that have happened in Ukraine. And I'm sure for those with children, it's been a hard thing to explain uh, what is going on in our continent. And as a church, uh, we are very mindful that at times like this, we can only call upon the Lord uh, for His intervention. He is still in control. And we thought it would be good um, to pray together uh, for the situation, and we're going to do that uh, in a second. Tonight, 
uh, tonight also, straight after the evening service. Uh, we would uh, love to stay on after, straight after the service and to focus our prayers uh, on uh, Ukraine. And so, uh, please, after the service, you're most welcome to stay on and we'll pray then. And the, the Zoom link uh, will be open. I think it's worth remembering too that there is a, a group of members uh, who faithfully pray uh, each day, uh, each evening at seven o'clock, and they have been praying for the situation and will continue to pray. Uh, and so you're most welcome to join uh, them uh, as they pray at seven o'clock for half an hour, and the Zoom link was sent out last night. So uh, let's continue uh, to pray. I, I want us to pray this morning uh, by standing up. Uh, the prayer that I uh, have, have uh, put together will be on the screen so you can read it. Um, if you uh, want to say it uh, along uh, with me, you can. Uh, but what I would love, if you agree with the things that are said uh, in this prayer, uh, I'd love you to say amen at the end. So let's uh, stand and we'll pray uh, for the situation in Ukraine. Father God, the King of all nations. We cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine and all those caught up in this conflict. We confess that in times of such rapid change and on issues of such complexity, it can be difficult to know what to pray. Above all, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May comfort and compassion conquer fear and violence. We ask you, Lord, to protect those who are vulnerable and those who are caught up in this conflict. We pray against bloodshed and for violence to quickly end. Lord, many fear this war will escalate, and so we simply cry out to you, the Prince of Peace, to write another story in our time. Reign over this conflict. Thwart the dark intentions of evil men. Give wisdom beyond human wisdom to politicians and peacemakers. May they be peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, and full of mercy. We pray for the church in Ukraine and for the missionaries who serve, serve you there. Give courage to our brothers and sisters that they may, may proclaim the good news of your kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring your comfort to all who mourn. Lord, you make wars cease to the ends of the earth. You break bows, shatter spears, and burn shields with fire. And so we ask you now to save the lives of many people in Ukraine. Make a peace that is strong and not weak. De-escalate this crisis. Lord, you are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. Together, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. I just want to uh, run through a few announcements and an and extended uh, list of announcements they are too, so uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, tonight we're finishing uh, a series, our series on this, uh, the second, uh, second Peter, and uh, that's at seven o'clock, and CY will be on at the same time. Uh, home groups are on this week, and then on Saturday, uh, the 5th of March at 10.30, all ladies and, and girls are invited uh, to come for coffee and to find out about uh, the Bible study plans uh, for the spring uh, leading up to the ladies' conference in May. Uh, then next Sunday, uh, we're starting two new series, two fascinating character studies both of which uh, offer a glimpse into the grander narrative of God's plan of salvation. In the morning, uh, we'll look at the life of Joseph, which provides one of the most colorful narratives in the book of Genesis. His story is full of civil, sibling rivalry, betrayal, suffering, despair, faithfulness, restoration, and a future hope. And in the evening, then, we'll delve into uh, the story of Ruth. It starts with a famine and death, uh, but ends up with uh, redemption, a marriage, a birth, uh, and a, refer a reference to the generations uh, to come. Uh, Tim Graham and Jonathan McGee uh, will be kicking off these series. So please uh, plan to come, not just next week, but for the, the series in full, 
uh, and with a heart to learn. Now, a few uh, days ago, members will have received uh, an email about plans for church life as we emerge from the pandemic. And in the next few minutes, I want to outline these uh, a little further. Um, all of our experiences of COVID in our personal lives and our working lives will have taught us uh, plenty, uh, but taught us to be prepared for change, uh, and, and these changes could happen at any, at any stage. So uh, the plans that, are, that I'm about to, to tell you about are subject, uh, crucially, to the Lord's will, but also listening to uh, the, the, the various guidelines as they may arise. As elders, we have greatly appreciated uh, your prayerful support and encouragement as we've chartered uh, our way, chartered uh, our way through this uh, challenging period in all of our lives. Uh, we're so thankful uh, to the Lord for His faithfulness and for the security and stability and steadfastness that He has offered in times of uncertainty and in distress. And in this uh, next period, while restrictions like face coverings and social distancing may have relaxed somewhat, uh, we know that the, the virus hasn't gone away, you know, as we would say here. Uh, so we would ask everyone uh, to show uh, careful consideration uh, to everyone else. That may mean putting on a mask when you're talking to an older person on a one-to-one, -one, uh, or it may be continuing to use the hand, sanitizer, hand sanitizers as you arrive. We do recognize that members are at different stages in their approach to the pandemic, and we want to assure you of that. And so things like the provision of our online services will continue, certainly for the time being, whether that's on Zoom or YouTube or both. How I would love to see everyone in our congregation here, but for some, that time uh, hasn't yet come. And for others, the provision that we have online may be the only way that they can, can continue connecting with us as a church. And so we will very much keep that going. And thank you for the team uh, who regularly do that week in, week out. In terms of our uh, Sunday morning services, you'll begin to see a few changes over the next couple uh, of weeks. In March, we hope to recommence uh, a creche facility for preschool children. I think that date has already been set for the 13th of March, and we'll re reintroduce uh, coffee after our service uh, in the cafe. The 11 o'clock service, this service, uh, will include a children's slot once a month for now, and we'll have a little more time for praise as well. How thankful we are to the Lord uh, that the weekly rhythm of communion around the Lord's table has continued in various forms. Uh, from lockdown and, and, the, and the restrictions that came thereafter. Two years ago, we altered uh, the format for practical reasons. We were all at home at that stage. Uh, and since then, we have benefited from the contribution of many, uh, including the younger men in particular, and we're most appreciative of that. From the 3rd of April, the start time and the format of our Breaking the Bread service will change uh, to reflect the next stage as we emerge from the pandemic. Starting at 10.15, it will allow us more time uh, to reflect on the Lord's life and death. We'll still have a group of men involved each week, but we also want to provide uh, an open time of response, perhaps 10 minutes or so, uh, for other brothers to pray or to select an appropriate song of praise following the opening thoughts. Over the next few months, we'll also be exploring the best way to share the bread and wine. We've had these little um, capsules for a while, but uh, we'll be thinking about that and finding a solution that's as close to Bible principles uh, while reflecting the times that we live in. And at the end of this service, uh, the, the breaking of bread service, there will still be a short break uh, before our main teaching service, which will start at 11. Looking beyond our uh, Sunday service, we have exciting plans for the next few months. This includes a, a baptism in early April, the first time in two years, would you believe? And I hope uh, that so many uh, wish to be baptized. I'm looking forward to that service already. We'll see the return of the Easter uh, Monday church outing. And then in May, a few years overdue, we'll have uh, a celebration of 150 years plus uh, of this fellowship. There are plans for a, a musical celebration, and, and Chris Wright from the Langham Partnership 
will join us. And on the following week, we're hosting uh, the Echoes International 150th uh, anniversary exhibition, and there's even more. Uh, that, that, the, the weekend that follows sees uh, the visit of Nancy Guthrie for a, a ladies' uh, conference on the 20th of May, and we'll pack all, that, all of that in before the Queen's uh, Platinum Jubilee celebrations uh, in the weeks that follow that. Um, we love it that the church extends to the entire uh, family. The elders have been uh, so impressed and appreciative of the work that has gone on week in, week out for the past two years for our young people and children in particular. Um, some of it's only starting back, but things have been going for so long as well. And we thank, we're thankful for that. Um, so we've got quite a, a compliment and quite a brand uh, uh, offering when you see that on screen, and we're really appreciative of, of that too. We outlined in our email about home groups and how hosts will chat to their groups about whether they return to in-person or discontinue remotely. That's up to the hosts and the groups to decide. We'll certainly keep our Thursday prayer meeting on Zoom for now. So of course, there's lots of activities already up and running, some of which have obviously continued throughout lockdown. But now that things are easier, we'll be considering ways that we can reach out better uh, with the good news of Jesus. And we look forward to the Community Week uh, in August. And please join with us in, in praying for the Lord's guidance as we consider this responsibility more. And finally, for me, uh, before we get on with the rest of the service, you'll be glad to know, uh, the work uh, of the elders is organized uh, each year by a chairperson, uh, and I'm handing over this month uh, to Tony Cullen. So uh, please remember him in your prayers uh, for the next 12 months or so. So that's, uh, that's enough from me. Uh, we're going to sing again. Thank you for your patience as you've stood there or sat there. Uh, I think it's good that we sing praise to the Lord. These hymns, these next two hymns bring us comfort uh, and reassurance um, as we trust in the Lord, faithful one, and then he will hold me fast. And we'll sing, uh, stand for both of these songs. <laughs>
seats. Father God, we uh, are so reassured by your love for us that steadies uh, the weak, that steadies the weak, and gives strength uh, to our failing knees. Father, thank you for the reassurance and the truths in these uh, songs that we've sung. And now, as we uh, open your word, I pray, Lord, that you will help us uh, to see afresh your uh, love for us, your uh, kindness and faithfulness and compassion to us. We pray for Neville as he speaks now, that you will speak through him and that we will have ears to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to hand over the rest of the service to Neville. Uh, Neville's one of the elders, and he is now going to uh, speak to us now. Thanks, Nev. Good morning, everyone, and uh, can I add my welcome to everyone here this morning? Thank you for coming. As has already been announced, today was scheduled as Elder Sunday by the, the Ministry Committee. So when the discussion came around at one of the elders' meetings as to who would have the great privilege and responsibility, obviously I wasn't listening closely enough, and uh, I got the job. Um, so. Uh, I, th I think what we wanted to do is to just look a little bit at what we've been through over the last two years and see if there's anything and any lessons that we can learn from God's Word. I just trust and pray that God will use, um, speak through the words that we may use today to speak into the life of someone here today. One observation that we made as elders is how many of our church family have found life difficult over the last two years, a challenge. Some have struggled with anxiety and low mood. Many of us have found the uncertainty of how to deal with day-to-day -day life during the pandemic quite a challenge, and at times it has felt overwhelming. The elders felt it might be helpful to talk about some of these things. I did say in response to that, you know, guys, I've struggled at times too, and I'm not sure I'm the best person to talk about it, to which they replied, you'd be ideal. So thanks again to my fellow elders. Uh, and I want to thank the, the congregation in the church here at Crescent, as Will has already said, for um, praying for us and supporting us over the last two years. We've really felt your um, support through these last couple of years. I think for me, the overwhelming feeling that I've had over the last two years of the pandemic, pandemic is sheer exhaustion, mental, physical, and even spiritual. And at times, it's been very difficult. I've been a GP for 20 years, and I can honestly say the last 12 months has been the most difficult to date, despite what the Daily Mail will tell you. When we talk about mental health and feelings of anxiety and not coping, feeling overwhelmed, no one is immune, no one. Yes, we can all be affected in different ways, um, but once that line in the sand has been crossed, we will all struggle. I've spoken to teenagers, professionals, mental health workers, retired folk over the last couple of weeks, and they're all struggling in their own way with anxiety and mental health. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what age you are. We can all struggle. Every day at the end of my surgery, I'll print off prescriptions. On average, one in three of the prescriptions I sign are antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. It's a depression of where we, it's a reflection, sorry, of where we are in society. What do we do when we get to the point when we feel we can't cope? Maybe not to the extent of the character we're going to look at in the book today, but maybe not far off it. What can we do? This morning, I would like us to learn some simple lessons from the prophet Elijah, or more accurately, what God did to restore the prophet Elijah. How can God's prophet go from the mountaintop experience, literally Mount Carmel, to the deepest valley? It's a big problem. Even amongst believers and those who are in full-time Christian ministry, the problem of burnout is real. It's massive. Why are we talking about this in relation to Elijah? Because it stresses our vulnerability as Bible-believing Christians. Depression is devastating, debilitating illness that affects our total person, spirit, soul, and body, and it negatively impacts us at every level. 
Elijah, remember, was a man with a nature just like us, James chapter 5. This teaches us that Elijah was not some super-duper saint who had special access to the power of God through the privilege of prayer that we don't have. God wants us to remember that Elijah had his own struggles and weaknesses and discouragement through which he had to contend. All of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, even though we are regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we still possess sinful natures and are in desperate need of God's grace moment by moment. But in case there's any doubts, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 19, which dramatically displays the truth of the statement we've just mentioned in James chapter 5, that Elijah was a man with a nature just like us. We're going to turn to God's Word. I'm reading from the ESV, 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Saphat of Abel Mehola, and you shall anoint to be a prophet in your place. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. The table on the next slide, which I'm not going to go through in detail for the sake of time, shows us an amazing contrast in Elijah's life. It's like night and day. Chapter 17, and especially in chapter 18, Elijah is bold, courageous, and victorious, facing all kinds of odds. The chapter concludes, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. But in chapter 19, we find Elijah fearful, running scared, exhausted, depressed, and wanting to die. The contrasts are worth noting because they show us just how vulnerable we all are and how careful we need to be. Often it's noted that we are most vulnerable after a mountaintop experience. The football analogy is you're most likely to concede a goal after you've scored a goal. In this first section, verses 1 to 3, we see the cause of the change in Elijah. King Ahab tells his notorious wife Jezebel what Elijah has done. 
She reacts with vengeance and threatens Elijah's life. Elijah runs for his life to Beersheba in the desert, the southernmost part of Judah. Leaving his servant, he continues another day's journey into the desert and crawls under a scrubby tree. And in depression, he asks God to let him die. Have you ever been there in the gloom and the despair and the defeat when all your expectations have exploded in your face? I don't know exactly what Elijah was expecting, but with God's awesome display of power in chapter 18, perhaps Elijah thought there would be a change in Ahab, some positive response to that uh, event, and the result would be that there would be changes to the kingdom of Israel. But that didn't happen. So Elijah runs for his life. I want to just mention briefly three points before I get on to the main thoughts that I want to share with you. Three things that went wrong um, in Elijah's thinking. Number one, and I'm going to apply it to ourselves, the problems of our expectations. Elijah had this expectation of how the Lord might work and how he might transform Ahab and change the nation. But the Lord didn't act in that way. But Elijah was so set on this outcome that he was devastated when it didn't happen. He expected something else. We ourselves can be guilty of expecting or even demanding a certain outcome from God. We want one thing when it doesn't go according to plan. We end up disillusioned and disheartened. Life is full of disappointments. We have expectations about our family. We have expectations about our church ministry. We have expectations about our relationships, our exam results, our jobs. And when they don't go according to what we think they should, we feel disappointed, we get hurt, and we feel let down. When we're so focused on our expectations and make the results of that the source of our happiness and our security, we end up with Elijah syndrome, fearful and ready to run away. Run away. The problem of our expectations, the problem of our focus. Elijah got focused on the things that were going on around him and on the people around him. He was focused on Jezebel, the wicked and angry queen, the army at her disposal, and the belief that she would follow through with her threats to kill him. When we get our eyes on people and things that they have said and done, we fail to see God at work. Whenever we become occupied with our problems rather than with the Lord, it creates a terrible distortion. It's like looking through a, telegraph, a te telescope the wrong way around. Instead of magnifying God, focusing on the problem shrinks God in our eyes and magnifies the problems. Our problems become giants. Our mountains, in essence, stand out, and from God's point of view, He becomes a molehill. We should never walk by sight as things appear to us. We are to walk by faith, 2 Corinthians. It means that we are to stay focused on the Lord and to seek to look beyond the problems through the eyes of faith. By faith, we see God's character and faithfulness of his promises as revealed in his word. Remember Peter in the Sea of Galilee stepped out when he saw the Lord Jesus and walked on water, but he took his eyes off the Lord. He got distracted with the wind and the waves, and he started to sink. The problem with our focus, and the third point just to make uh, is that the problem with our strategies. Elijah runs to Beersheba, a day's journey further into the wilderness alone, and he sought shelter under a broom tree. Not once in this chapter do we see Elijah going to the throne of grace. Not once did he claim God's promises. The problem was not that he arose and ran or went down to the desert to hide. It was that he did so without God's direction and without God as his primary shelter. Don't forget, two chapters earlier in 1 Kings 17, God directed Elijah to the brook of Cherith and got the ravens to feed him meat. But not here. This time, Elijah did this all under his own steam. He's alone, tired, and exhausted in the wilderness by himself and without food and water. Of course, he was not alone because the Lord was there, as we'll find out, but he felt totally alone, helpless, fear, fearful, and a failure. In such a state, what do we do? We become apathetic. We lack faith. We feel sorry for ourselves and think irrationally. We lose perspective. The situation becomes a mountain, 
and the Lord becomes a molehill. So the problem with our expectations, the problem with our focus, and the problems of our strategy. Let's look now at how the Lord handled Elijah's depression. I want to make four points. They're very simple. But four points to maybe help us uh, and encourage us to see how the Lord dealt with Elijah. The restoration of Elijah. The first point is God provides. God provides. God provides rest and refreshment. Out of exhaustion, Elijah fell asleep in verse 5. God has given us the ability to sleep and rest as necessary as a tool to help us survive and to function. And God brought this about before he would bring in the next stage of Elijah's restoration. God remembers that we are frail. He knows that we possess physical bodies that must be cared for, often before the spiritual part can function. He knows what we need before we do because he made us. How grumpy and irritable do we get when we're tired? When we're really exhausted, we make very poor choices, poor decisions. We cannot function properly. Even lorry drivers have limits on how long they can drive a vehicle before it becomes dangerous. Rest is important. So before we expect too much from ourselves and from others and those that we're trying to encourage in the ministry for God, let's remember the principle of this, that rest sometimes needs to come to sort out the physical before we care for the spiritual. Verse 5 tells us that an angel of the Lord touched him and said, Arise and eat. And verse 7, the angel is identified as the angel of the Lord, a description always used in the Old Testament of a special manifestation of God himself. This was no ordinary angel. This was no less than the Lord Jesus himself who came personally to minister to the prophet. God didn't send the ravens as he did in chapter 17 or a widow to sustain him but he sent the pre-incarnate Christ why God knew Elijah needed a touch from the Lord he needed a personal touch this is reassuring Elijah that he is still the object of his love that he still has a plan and a purpose for the prophet just as he does for us when we are out of his plan it's a reminder that God will never leave us, no matter how far we drift. When we find ourselves in that desert place, alone, exhausted and depressed, how much do we need a touch from the Lord? He is personally involved in seeking to restore us. Twice he's told Elijah to eat and drink, and twice he's allowed to sleep. Verse 8 says he arose and ate and drank and went to Horeb. He went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb. Now, when, where Elijah was, a day's walk from Beersheba, it was probably reckoned only to be seven or eight days to Mount Horeb, but it took him 40 days and 40 nights. By God's divine grace and providence, God sustains him for those 40 days and 40 nights. It's also an illustration of how prone we are to trekking through the wilderness on our own, bat on our own solutions, trying to work things out on our own because we believe so strongly in how right we are. Often at work, I will suggest that some, sometimes the first thing somebody should do is to take time out of work, to take a step back, start the process, the time to get their thoughts in order, a time to rest and a time to heal, that they should eat properly, that they should cut down on the drink, but they should exercise as well. Exercise is a wonderful tool for mental health. Just going for a walk in the fresh air and getting some sun in your face, not in Northern Ireland obviously, clears the head and produces good chemicals in the brain. So just in this little section here we have encouragement to start to address our mental health, that we would rest, that we would eat well and that we would exercise. So God provides, God rebukes. Verse nine, there he came to a cave and lodged in it and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah's now in Mount Horeb, a holy site in the history of the nation of Israel where Moses received the Ten Commandments. His physical circumstances had improved. He's no longer under a broom tree. He's in a cave, but it was still a poor substitute for God as his refuge. He may have felt a bit better, but it's not where the Lord wanted him spiritually. He was still continuing on this journey for restoration. 
Now that God has improved his physical state, he's in a better place to listen and learn. Twice Elijah is asked on the mountain, why are you here, Elijah? This is God asking Elijah to evaluate where he was. Why was he there? Did he understand that he was there because of his faulty thinking and his wrong focus? Did he understand that though he had been running for the Lord, from the Lord, it was God who had led him to this very special place to instruct and restore him? Maybe God is challenging you this morning. Why are you here? Maybe God wants you to reassess, to do a self-examination of your life. What's holding you back in your service, in your ministry for him? Maybe we need to think more about our attitudes and our behaviors. Or are you, are you struggling on your journey because you're trying to do it all on your own? Or maybe not. Maybe you can see God's hand at work in your life and see his goodness and grace. God is saying to Elijah, let's take stock of where we are. Elijah's answer shows that he hasn't quite got it yet. He replies, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your stars and killed your, your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it. The Lord simply ignores Elijah's self-justification and reason for being in the mountain. Instead, he offers him further instruction that would result in a special revelation about the Lord. The Lord provides, the Lord rebukes, sorry, God. God provides, God rebukes, and now God speaks. God speaks to us directly. Elijah is told to come out of the cave and stand before the Lord. The Lord is rejecting Elijah's solution and showing him that he alone is to be Elijah's refuge. David says in Psalm 62, my soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Suddenly before Elijah comes out of the cave, four events occur, three of them in the spectacular realm. First one, a mighty wind hits the mountain around Elijah. The rocks are breaking in pieces. Surely this spectacular event would announce the presence of the Lord and illustrate how he would work in the future. But no, the Lord was not in the wind. Then an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then a fire, the Lord was not there either. These physical manifestations of God are common, were common enough in the Old Testament, the wind, the fire, and the earthquake, but God was not using any of them this time to prove his presence with Elijah. That's significant. After the fire, Elijah heard a gentle blowing, a faint whisper, a quiet voice. Elijah knew instantly it was God. He covers his face with his cloak and went and stood in the entrance of the cave. What was Elijah to learn from this? What's the lesson of God's absence in the spectacular, but his presence in the small, low voice? God's primary vehicle for changing people and bringing spiritual revival is not in the miraculous or the spectacular of Mount Carmel in chapter 18. It's God's voice speaking to people. He did it through the prophets in the Old Testament and now for us through the complete inspired Word of God, our Bible, and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a guarantee Ephesians 1 reminds us of this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What an unbelievable gift. What a fantastic blessing we have. God dwelling in us. We thought of it in the first service as well. King of kings, majesty, God of heaven, living in me, gentle saviour, closest friend, strong deliverer, beginning and end. Friends, God speaks to us directly, to you and me through his word, the Bible. It's his voice, not an audible voice like Elijah heard, but in the words and the pages of our Bibles. The Holy Spirit indwelling each of us counsels, comforts, and guides us. What encouragement and peace we can have 
by opening our Bibles and letting God speak directly to us with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Some people find they're in such a difficult state that they can't read. Play an audio book, play an audio Bible, listen to God's Word and let it envelop you. Time alone in God's presence to hear the still, small voice. So God provides, God rebukes, God speaks, and finally, God sends. God still uses us. God recommissions Elijah. Elijah in verse 15 is told to go. Go and anoint these three people, and each one acts as an an agent of divine judgment or blessing. Even though Elijah was full of doubt and self-pity, God uses him. Even though we struggle, even though we feel we failed, even though we don't want to do it, we, sorry, even though we do want to do it our own way and end up in all sorts of trouble, God does not discard us like a used paper cup. God can still use you. At times we may feel like a broken vessel. How can God use me? Why would God choose to use me? God chooses you to use him because he loves you. Second Corinthians says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's not of ourselves, it's all of God. God still has a job for you to do. There's work to be done. And I want to encourage you, no matter what stage you're at in your life, young or old, God can still use you for his purposes and for his glory. Elijah went and did as God asked. He anointed Elisha and then the two kings. Elisha's ministry does not, Elijah's ministry does not end with the call of Elisha. I knew I was going to do that. Um, after his renewal by the Lord, and Mount Horeb, Elijah began a ministry of mentoring and discipling Elisha. Not only did Elijah minister to Elisha, but undoubtedly Elisha became a great comfort and encouragement to Elijah. God brings people into our lives to help us, to encourage us, and to drive us on as we serve him. Serving God together, shoulder to shoulder, is a tremendous honor and privilege for many of us. God wants to use you, warts and all, in building his kingdom. Can I encourage you, if you're not involved in active service for the Lord, to get involved? At present is preferable, but if it's not, it's okay too. Like Elijah, we too can easily find ourselves down, lonely and discouraged. But the Lord is the God of all comfort, and he has committed himself to our renewal and restoration. What a loving and gracious Lord we have but we need to make ourselves available to God's resources for his renewal. God provides. He has promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. He knows what our needs are and he will sustain us in every way. God rebukes. At times we need to reassess. We need to take stock. Maybe we need to make changes in our thinking, our attitudes, and our behavior. God speaks to us directly through his word and the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us every day, to counsel us, to comfort us, and to guide us. And God sends. There's still a job for you to do. God has chosen to use us in his service. I pray that you'll be encouraged and helped by some of these simple thoughts and remarks from this story of Elijah. Let's just take our time to close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to share your word this morning. Father, there are many uh, who are here today or on Zoom that have had a difficult experience over the last few years. I pray for each and every one of our church family here today. We pray, Father, that they would know your peace and your presence. Father, you know us because you made us, and you know that sometimes we just need to take a rest and take time to recover and to renew. Father, if we need correct it, please do that. Father, I just pray that we would listen to your voice, cut out the busyness of a hectic world outside, spend time in your word and hear your voice and the guidings of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we will feel that we still have a purpose. You have counted us worthy. You say we're more valuable than anything this world has to offer. And Father, we times feel that is so far from the truth, but you assure us that we are chosen, and that we are loved. Thank you for the encouragement. Please remember, as we were thinking earlier, of our dear uh, people, of the dear people of Ukraine. 
We pray, Father, that they too would know your peace and your comfort through these dreadful uh, days of war. We pray that evil men will be put down and your will will be done. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Neville. The words of our final hymn, second verse says, the night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley he will lead. On, oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. We'll stand and we'll sing this final hymn, and then our service will be over. A reminder to come out this evening, 7 o'clock, and then a short uh, prayer time afterwards. Um, uh, Finishing, I'm sure, or before half eight. Okay, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.